All right, so I want to I want to share with you. We're gonna come back to part three. Uh, I was away with my son. Look at this. Okay, keep him coming. <laughs> Signs of the times, part three. Uh, we're gonna go to Mark chapter thirteen, verse nine through thirteen. Stand with me for the reading of the word. So the word of our Lord, he says here, but watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings, for my name's sake, for the testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations, but when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given to you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now, brother will betray brother to death, and father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Father in heaven, I pray, Lord God, you'd open up our hearts and minds to your word. Lord God, some painful things to be reading here this morning. But Lord God, help us to understand that you told us this, and you gave it to us for a reason, Lord, as the future, and, and Lord, what it would bring to strengthen us, to create endurance in us, perseverance, tenacity, relentlessness, Lord God, in our faith. So, Father, I pray that you would do those things in us today, accomplish your will here today in each and every heart, for in Jesus' name we pray this, amen. So, you know, as we began, and we started talking about this a few weeks ago, as we're going through the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, Jesus, when he was giving all of these signs of the times, he said, these are the beginning of sorrows, right? The beginning of birth pains. That, that is the, the word sorrows there in the Greek means birth pains. So he, he's relating here a woman who is pregnant and about to give birth to the birth pains of the end times. Remember I said, I said there were two key things to understand about birth pains. The first, birth pains increase with frequency, right, ladies? I don't know what, you know, you make this big deal about this and how painful it is and everything. And as they say, it's like doing a set of squats. That's right. No. The women are going to send me all their hate. They're going to hate me now. This. They, they increase with frequency and also they increase in intensity. So important, important correlation. And again, I showed this to you a few weeks ago. There is a correlation, Matthew, Mark, and Luke which is, is basically giving us the Olivet Discourse. There's little differences. There's some little differences in the, the di three different you know, accounts of what Jesus said at the Olivet Discourse. It's Wednesday. He's crucified on Friday. He gives the Olivet Discourse on the Mount of Olives. Been there many times, walked up and down those mountains. But if you really look at, again, the intensity and the duration, you will see it in Revelation 6. And again, you see this, again, this correlation between false messiahs and prophets, wars, um, international discord, famines, pestilences, persecution, earthquakes, cosmic phenomena. So there's, a, there's a, a level of intensity, but what we're experiencing in our times, I think if you, you, know, you look at the world, unless you've got your head in the sand, I mean, it's, it's hard not to be seeing. And as I, you know, I went through the first few of these birth pains uh, two weeks ago, deception. We live in a world of deception. You see it in the political realm. You see it in the media. You know, you see it in, in, in religion. It's, it's, it's all around us. And then wars and rumors of wars, right? You, you keep hearing, you know, about, about wars and what's going on in the Ukraine. But there's, I, I think I said to you, there's about 50 wars going on in the world right now. 
And the wars and, and the rumors of, you know, we hear about you know, China and Taiwan, Korea, and um, North Korea, South Korea, uh, North Korea and Japan shooting missiles, right, over Japan last week. Uh, Putin threatening Armageddon, or, or Biden saying there's going to be Armageddon, and Putin threatening that uh, there's going to be nuclear war. You know, I think Biden talking about that this week, everybody, it's, it sent a ripple effect of fear right across the country. And then the generals had to come out and kind of, you know, talk it down a little bit. And then earthquakes, and again, the word, the word for earthquakes is seismos, natural disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes, cyclones, okay, all, all you know, these natural disasters. And we see, we are showing you on the graphs, there's an ever-increased frequency and intensity of these things that are happening in our time. Famines. And I said, watch just what's happening with Ukraine being at war. They basically supply about 30, I think it's about 33% of the wheat to Northern Africa, Saudi Arabia. Right now, again, we looked at, we looked, we were looking at Somalia, Sudan, in, in a horrible famine, people starving to death, 27 million people right now. So there again, there, these, these would be again signs that we would be seeing. Pestilence, disease, right? There's always been sickness. But we see these massive, now global, diseases. And we all, of course, experienced that with COVID, uh, this massive global epidemic that, you know, that occurred. And then we talked about fearful sights and great signs in, in heaven. These strange, you turn on the media now, the, you, know, you had to go and you had to look at, at some you know, far out strange you know, report about these things that people are seeing in the skies. Now the Navy is reporting them, the air traffic controllers are reporting them, and you see it on the nightly news on, on any station that there's some strange stuff that, that, that's going on. So the seventh of, of what we just looked at, Jesus here says there would be persecution. And the, the entire passage, really the entire passage with the exception of verse 10, chapter Mark 13, 9 through 13, is talking about persecution that would come upon believers. Now, it happens right away, you know, Jesus is, is crucified, he's raised from the dead, uh, he ascends into heaven. Persecution comes upon the church immediately. And you see the persecution that occurs with the apostles. And then Peter and John are arrested, right, for a miracle, <laughs> They heal the guy. They heal the guy at the, uh, at the temple. And then uh, they're brought before the Sanhedrin. And they're told not to preach the gospel. And then, that, you know, they're arrested again. And then they're beaten. And you see Stephen is, is killed, right? James, the brother of John, is, is killed by, by Herod. He's, he's basically has his head cut off. And then again, the persecution that you see throughout the book of Acts, Paul and Barnabas. Let me just show you. The 12 apostles, okay, this isn't including Judas, but look, look at just, this is, again, a good historical account. Andrew was crucified. Bartholomew beaten and crucified. James, son of Alphaeus, stoned to death. James, the son of Zebedee, beheaded. John, exiled for his faith. He's the only one who was not, who was not martyred. Uh, he was exiled to the island of Patmos. You read about that in Revelation chapter uh, 1. Judas, not Iscariot, stoned to death. Matthew, speared to death. Peter, crucified upside down. Philip crucified, Simon crucified, Thomas speared to death, and Matthias stoned to death. Now, that's from Fox's Book of Martyrs. So we read, you know, there, there was, there's always been persecution, right? You know, right from the early days of, of Rome, persecuting uh, Christians, right up until, I mean, we, we supported our brothers who were beheaded on the beaches of Libya by, you know, by ISIS just a, a few years ago. Uh, 
the historians tell us between A.D. 33 and 1900, there have been 14 million martyrs. 14 million martyrs. In the 20th century, there were 45 million martyrs. The, the Romans killed Christians. I don't know if you ever, you ever read about this, but the reasons that the Romans were killing Christians, you go to Rome, you go into the catacombs, you see thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of Christians were killed uh, in those first, those first 250 years, and they were killed because they were accused of being atheists. Isn't that funny? Because the Romans believed in a, in a pantheon of gods, many gods, and they were killed because they only, we, we believe in one god. And then they, they were killed and accused of being cannibals. Think about that. Why would we be accused of being cannibals? Because we share the Lord's Supper. This is my body, this is my blood. And then they were accused for partaking in orgies, which I really have a hard time with the Romans having a problem with that, because if you know what had happened to the degradation of the Roman culture, orgies were very prevalent. But they accused the Christians of having orgies, and it was because they called right the worship service, what? A love feast. A love feast. So those are, those were the me, you know the reasons for them you know being killed. But again, over the course of the last two thousand years, Christians have been slaughtered, okay, by the Romans. They were been slaughtered by by pagans, by the Ottoman Empire, by the you know by Islam, uh, by communists. They've been slaughtered for their you know for their faith. I, I took I took a, a about a year and a half. This is last year. I got a year and a half in one year. Amazingly, if you, you could try to do that. That was a joke. Um, but I, I, was studying, I was studying a period in history that I, I, I've like taken periods and studied them. 600 to 900 A.D., the Vikings and the Vikings' invasion of Europe, they were brutal on Christians. I just slaughtered. They slaughtered you know, tens of thousands of, uh, of Christians. And it was interesting that Christianity ultimately conquered the Vikings and Norway and you, you, you know you look at, at, at Norway and Iceland and Greenland uh, the northern countries were eventually Christianized but the Christians as they were were dying obviously in fact it was just I think it was Justin Martyr who said the blood of Christians is their harvest seed and as the Christians were dying the, their faith was spreading and permeating through the pagan culture of the Vikings their worship of uh, of their you know of their false gods, terrible persecution that that is kind of being swept under the the rug for these last years. Um, the persecution of Armenian Christians between 1905 and 1918, two million Christians were killed by the Turks, by the Muslim Turks. And uh, if you're Armenian, Armenian, you know this. Diane obviously is very aware of this as as a, an Armenian Christian. But uh, that's the, those are women that were stripped and crucified along the road by the um, by the Turks uh, during you know during that period. Just 1979. Remember Idi Amin? Some of you who are alive remember Idi Amin. He was a crazy dictator uh, in Uganda. He murdered 300,000 Christians. Our, our brothers and sisters in North Korea are are imprisoned. You know, for their faith, tortured and killed. This, this is a, a woman. She, she said the toilet of the prison was the only place where we could worship. North, uh, North Korea, China, the bulldozing of churches, the persecution of Christians, the, the imprisonment of Christians, the torture of Christians, is very popular. 
Uh, this, this was something that got me. We have people here from Nigeria. This is, this is a satellite picture of the community um, which was totally burned and leveled. 5,000 people in this town in Nigeria. The name, the name of the town is Baga Borno. And they killed 5,000 Christians and totally leveled the town, burning it down to the ground. Uh, these, are, these are pictures of Christians who have been killed in, um, in Nigeria by Boko, Boko Haram. And, um, and here's, here's an interesting one. In Chiapas, uh, Mexico, there, about, uh, there were, were about 30,000 Christians in that little community. They were Indians who were converted to Christianity. And the, uh, the cartels basically began to murder and drive out. And I think it was like about 30,000 people, tortured, beaten, killed by the uh, cartels in Chiapas, Mexico. So again, we, 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 it's, it's been happening. It was happening from the beginning. It's happening in mass much greater, again, as Jesus said, in the, you know, the time we're living in. And ultimately, during the tribulation period, and if you're new to the Bible, Jesus predicted a seven-year period called the tribulation that would come upon the earth and that it would be somewhat of a, of a hell on earth. And um, in Revelation chapter 6, 9 through 11, it's described. It says, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, how holy and true until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. And then the white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to them that they would rest a little while longer until both a number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as uh, they were was completed. And again, that's, that's speaking about a great persecution that will happen during the tribulation. I think a greater, greater persecution than anything we've ever seen before in, in the future. Good news. I believe he promised to take us out before this happens. It's good news in that, you know, in that message. It's called the rapture. Um, so number eight, he says the gospel, right, would be preached to all nations. In Mark chapter 10, uh, 13, verse 10, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Again, Mark, same, you know, same context, verse 14 of chapter 24, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So some people hold this, that the gospel has to first be preached to the whole world, then Jesus is coming back. So there, there are people who believe, well, Jesus is not going to come back and take his church with him to be his bride until this first happens. So now what we're doing is we're not waiting for Jesus to come. We're waiting for the gospel to be preached to the whole world. That's not, that's not what it's saying here. It's not talking about the rapture of the church. Notice it, it's talking about the end. And that, that is what we call the glorious appearing or the end of the tribulation or the end of this period of history you know, as we know it. So this is called, this is called the 1040 window. And we support, you, just, you, know, you gave to missions, we support missions to the 1040 window. This is the one part of the world where the gospel really hasn't completely penetrated. It's there. We've got missionaries there. But it's, it's, it's not completely penetrated. So the Islamic countries of North Africa and, you know, and um, the Middle East, Hinduism of India, Buddhism, and then the non-religious uh, area of China, where you have a lot of atheism. So I think that's the area where once that area is penetrated with the gospel, 
then he says that the end will come. So again, Christians have taken it that, hey, we're responsible to share our faith. We're responsible to share this, this, this wonderful message of the gospel is you can be forgiven <laughs> of every sin you've ever committed by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for you. Why did he hang there, right? Why did he hang there six hours that Friday? Almighty God came to earth, was incarnate, and he is spit on, he's beaten, he's persecuted, he, he's put on the cross. And he died for us, for any who would believe in him, right? They would not perish but have eternal life. That's John chapter 3.16. So that, that message hasn't fully penetrated yet. And again, there are believers that say, oh, well, it has to, we, the church has to do it. And then when the church does it, Jesus will come. And that's, again, that's, that's not what the Bible says. So I want to I show you something because it's not merely the church that is going to bring that message, not only to there, but to uh, the entire world. Did you ever hear the 144,000 in the book of Revelation? So in Revelation chapter 7, there are 144,000 here mentioned. And notice, I'm not going to read this. Uh, it just They were sealed. God sealed this 144,000. And notice where they're from, right? From the tribe of Judah and Reuben and Gad. They're Jews. These are, these are going to be Jewish believers who are sealed. They're anointed by God. And there's a special seal and protection will be upon them during the tribulation. Right? We have Jewish believers here today. And this is going to be 144,000. I've always thought of them as 144,000 little Apostle Pauls being unleashed on the world. And um, by the way, the Jehovah Witnesses claim that they're the 144,000. When they come knocking on your door, ask them which tribe they're from. <laughs> it's just ego and pride. These, these, are, these are Jewish people. Now, in Revelation chapter 7... After it talks about the 144,000, and let me, let me show you this. I want to read this to you. It says, after these things, okay, so there's this sealing and this anointing of the 144,000. And it says, after these things, I looked and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving, honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the elders answered saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? It's kind of funny that the, the elder, this is like, you know, these elders of, of, of heaven, who I believe are, are the church. And he asks John this question. And John, John then looks at him and says, and said to him, Sir, you know, like John didn't know the answer. The, you know, the elder knew the answer. And so he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. They've, they've accepted Jesus and received his cleansing. They're washed by his blood and their robes are made white. All their sins have been taken away. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell with them. And they shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them 
to the living fountains of water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So just the, 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 the correlation and the connection here, the 144,000, 144,000 Jewish evangelists who go out and preach the gospel to the whole world, and these are the believers from all the different nations who will give themselves to Jesus and receive his salvation during this period. So it is these 100, you know what interesting it says in the scriptures, the Jews would be a light to the Gentiles. That Israel would be a light to the Gentiles. And, and there is a, a true, obviously Jesus was Jewish. Right? I said to my children as they were growing up that roses are reddish and violets are bluish. Didn't you know that Jesus was Jewish? He was a Jew. <laughs> he was brown-eyed, not bl a blue-eyed, and he didn't have blonde hair, right? He like the Swedish Jesus, right, with blonde, you know, with blonde hair. So he was, he was a Jew, and of course he, he became the light. And again, the early believers were all Jewish. All the apostles were Jewish. Paul was Jewish. Luke is the only one who's not a Jew who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Jude, and right, you, you look at James and John, they're all Jewish. So there's a truth that, that in those early times, the Jewish people became a light to the Gentiles. And we wonder, well, how, you know, how could Jewish people not accept Jesus? But Renee, you're Jewish and you accepted Jesus. So, so what happens, though, during the, the, the tribulation period, God anoints 144,000 Jews who then bring the gospel to the world. Now, there's, there's another way that that happens, and the two witnesses of Revelation. So Revelation chapter 11, there are these two witnesses, okay? And verse 3, it says, And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth, so these two witnesses are, are, are preaching, they're preaching the gospel. Now watch, watch this, because they're preaching the gospel to the world out of, out of Israel. And apparently they're irritating a lot of people, which the gospel can do. But if you, if you look, it, it goes on here in verse 7, and when they finish their testimony, so actually they're giving a testimony here. They're, they're proclaiming the, you know, the gospel. The beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit Right, will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. This is the Antichrist. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, and uh, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the people's tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put in graves. By the way, this was in the first century. There was no internet. There was no CNN or, 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 or Fox. There was no, no, right, none of the media we have. How is the entire world in the first century looking on two men who have been killed, right? How is, you know, how is it? That, that's a prediction, okay? And there's many of these, you know, there's, there's literally hundreds of these little predictions throughout the Bible of something that you could not have possibly imagined at the time in the first century, it's, it's talking about global, global communication. Remember when the towers were hit? The whole world watched. The whole world watched the, tow the towers coming. You see people, people in China, right? people in Singapore, people in Russia, people in South America. I mean, you got people who live in tents who have cell phones, right? who are watching this stuff. So it's, it's, an, it's really an, ama it's an amazing prediction. And then in, in verse 10, and those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another because the, these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. 
It's like going to be an unholy Christmas. They're going to have an unholy Christmas sharing. Hey, they, they, these two guys will preach. They're, they're preaching, come to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Right? And, and you'll receive his forgiveness. You'll receive his salvation. And they're under heavy influence of the Antichrist during this time. So they hate them. So they have this unholy Christmas. Verse 11. Now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. He raises them from the dead. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. So the, the preaching of the gospel to the world, 144,000 Jewish witnesses and then the two, I believe, Jewish witnesses that will preach the gospel. Who are, who are the two witnesses? Some people can, in the church claim to know that it's you know Moses and Elijah or Moses and Enoch or Elijah and Enoch. I had a guy come to the church a few years ago and he sat down in my office and he said, I want to become a member of the church, but you have to believe one thing about me. And I looked at him and I said, man, I can't, I can't, I can't promise you that. And he said to me, you have to believe that I'm one of the two witnesses. I've met those people many times. You know, the scary thing about the church, the stuff we're talking about, if people come into the church with a level of delusion, we have to be careful in, in how we deal with them and treat with them because they can become extremely delusional. Had a, had a man one time come up to me and he said, I think I'm the Antichrist. I said, you're not good looking enough or smart enough to be the Antichrist because apparently he's going to be very good looking and very charismatic. And, but people, they, they fall into, into delusion. And uh, we, we have to, and again, the way we deal with one another, we have to be careful with that. So I don't, know, I don't know who the two witnesses are. I just know that they'll be there at, you know, at the time. There's, a, there's, one other, there's one other way the gospel will be preached. Angels will preach the gospel. And it, it, it tells us that in Revelation 14, 6, and 7. And then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. So again, the gospel will be preached by the 144,000, by the two witnesses, and by angels. And then that is, again, the tribulation. And Jesus comes to the earth, not, not for his church in the clouds. Difference between the rapture and the glorious appearing. But this ushers in during the tribulation, the end, when he comes. And that is, that is where it is a complete change to the, the, very, the very culture, the economy of, uh, of the world. He sets up a kingdom. You know, the longing, the longing of the human heart is to be in a place where there is no sorrow, where there is no pain, where there is no death, where there is no sickness. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't that be good? That's what he establishes. He establishes a kingdom, so the millennial kingdom, 1,000-year kingdom, where the lion will lie down with the, I'm sorry, the, the wolf will lie down with the lamb, where they will beat their swords into plowshares, Right, and their spears into pruning hooks, the end of war. See all this violence going on, all this craziness? It's the end. Yesterday, yesterday Abby did a, a wonderful boxing class for us here. And um, Abby, you're going to be out of work in the Millennial Kingdom. No more martial arts. 
you're going to have to, you're going to have to put all the, uh, the stuff, but boy, there's going to be some other stuff God's going to have us to do. But that, that's the end. That's the end. And it's really not an end. It's a new beginning. I'm going to give you, I'll give you one more, and that is um, the word apostasy, signs of the times, apostasy. In Matthew chapter 24, 11, and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. So the word, the word offended in, in the Greek is scandalized, and it means to cause to stumble. There, there's going to be, a, 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 many people are going to stumble and, you know, maybe it comes because of persecution. Maybe, maybe it comes because of just the false prophets and the false teaching. But there's going to come this, this, really, in a sense, it's a falling away. And it's described through, throughout the scriptures. So I want to I show you in first, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 through 4, it says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus... Uh, Christ and are gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letters as if from us as though the day of Christ has come. He says, let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away. And that, that is the word apostasy. To, to turn away from that which you have known. The falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. Okay, the son of perdition, that's the Antichrist who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as, a, as God in the temple of God, showing himself that, that he is God. That again, that is speaking about an apostasy, a falling, a falling away of the faith in the last days. Here's, here's another, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 5. And it says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. He's not talking about the mafia. He's not talking about the hell's angels here. Okay, who's he talking about? He says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. He's talking about church people, folks. These are, these are, these are they have a form of godliness. Like, you know, you see people with a form of godliness, right? They look, you know, they, they, they dress in the garb, or they wear a collar, right? And they say, they, 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 they speak, they speak, you know, pious words. I have to be careful. And then they're molesting children. Not just the Catholic Church. It happens to happen in Protestant churches, evangelical churches. But it's 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 these are these are he's talking about the church here, not not the world. It, it tells us in Second Timothy four three and four. For the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from truth and be turned aside to fables. In fact, the saying is, the churches will be filled with people who want to hear what they want to hear, and the preachers, instead of preaching the truth, right, they're just going to preach, and they're going to itch people's ears. You don't have to go far to see that. Just turn on the television, look at TV evangelists. Their, their main thing to concern is just keeping an audience and then milking as much as they can out of that audience and you know, collecting as much money as they can. And one other, one other thing here, Jesus said, 
in Luke 18.8, remember he tells the parable of the persistent widow and she just keeps bothering the judge for that you know, judgment and finally the judge gets just overwhelmed and gives her the judgment. But in verse 8, Jesus says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find... And the word, the word there, there's, there's the definite article, the, in Greek the word is ten, will he really find the faith on the earth? Not faith, the faith. The, 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 the faith of Jesus. Will he, find, will he find that faith on the earth? What did Jesus believe? Let me say this to you. I don't mean to say this rude or, or cruelly. I don't care what you believe. I mean, in a sense of you influencing me. I don't care what denominations believe. I, I don't care what the, the, the um, cemetery, the, the, I'm sorry, not the cemetery, the seminaries believe. That was a joke. I, I just, my, my faith is to be built upon Jesus and what he believed. I've, I've come in my life, right, to believe that he, you know, that he truly is God. That he is God incarnate. I mean, I've, bu I've, built, I've built the last 40 years of my life on that certainty that Jesus is the incarnation of God. And, and that, that's, that's unlike anyone who has ever walked the earth. Buddha, Confucius, anyone. They had some good, good teachings and some good philosophy, but he, he claimed to be God. And he gave massive evidence that he, that he was God. He fulfilled 365 prophecies in the Old Testament that were made some 2,000 years before he ever walked the earth. The prediction of the place he was born in Bethlehem was predicted by Micah 500 years before Jesus walked the earth. Now, I don't know how he pulled off that one. You know, orchestrated being born in Bethlehem. And you know, I've shared this with you. It's, it's, it's a, a key component to my faith of understanding the, the predictions and the prophecies. And if, and if Jesus was not God, then he was the greatest deceiver and liar who ever lived. The greatest. Great, he, he, worse than anyone. Worse than, um, let me tell you, worse than Hitler. Wor worse than Stalin. Worse than Mao Zedong. Because if, if he was not God, he has deceived people for 2,000 years and led them astray. But he claimed to be God. For see, he who has seen me, he said, has seen the Father. For I and the Father are one. He called himself the great I am. Right? From Exodus 3.14, the Ayachia and Ayachia, I am who I am. So if he, if he is not, if he is not God, again, he's a liar. Or, right, he's a crazy lunatic. Because there are a lot of lunatics who go around and claim that they're God. Right? There's, there's all sorts. Right? We're looking, looking at the deception. All these, there's this guy in Russia who claims that he's, he's Jesus. You got the Brazilian Jesus, the Puerto Rican. You got these people claiming to be God, claiming to be Jesus. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a, a funny story. I was, I was at the... Um, I was at the veteran's home down in uh, East Orange visiting a man in the church. She was a, a Vietnam vet going through a hard time. And we had a man in our church, Glenn. Uh, Sam, you remember Glenn. Glenn, 
I mean, but what we think Jesus looked like, right? And I don't know, man, the, the long hair and the beard. I, I, don't, I don't think Jesus had long hair because long-haired on a man was actually something. But he, he had the long hair and the beard. And um, my kids, when my, my little, my, my daughters, my Chrissy and Rachel, Frankie wasn't born yet. They see Glenn, they'd say, Daddy, look, Jesus. Well, Jesus is coming to church. Jesus lived in the church for a while because he was our maintenance man. And um, so Glenn was really good friends with this guy who was going through a hard time. So we go down to the VA home, and um, I'm sitting and having lunch uh, with Mike and Glenn. And then all of a sudden, this guy from across the room in a white robe and a turban comes running across the room screaming out, Jesus! Jesus! I'm like sitting there, man. I'm just like, this, is, this looks scary. <coughs> he sits down with us. He believed he was Muhammad. He told us he was Muhammad. Jesus, it's me, Muhammad. And so I went home, and I'm at dinner, and the kids and Sue were around the table. And Sue said, well, you know, what was your day like? And I remember I just was kind of like rubbing my, my eyes and my head. And I said, you had an unbelievable day. You won't believe who I had lunch with. I had lunch with Jesus and Muhammad. How many people can say that? He claimed to be God. He fulfilled all the prophecies. His own followers testified to the miracles and his resurrection. And they all went and died. They all went and died believing that. Folks, people don't die for lies that they know are untrue. They all died holding to the truth that Jesus was raised from the dead. He claimed to be God. Now watch, I want to say this to you. My faith is not built on what churches say or denominations say or, or anyone else says. My faith is built upon Jesus and what he said. Well, I want to show you. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me. Now, you understand what Paul is saying? You're looking at that and saying, I've been crucified. Paul put his life aside, and Jesus became the center of his life. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by, now, it should be, again, there's another use of the definite article. I live by the faith. So your Bibles are saying, I live by faith. It should be the faith. They do that for grammatical reasons in the translation, the scholars. And then it says, in, it should be of the Son of God. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So ask me, what do you believe about the Bible? I believe the Bible is the word of God. Why? Because Jesus believed it. Ask me about resurrection. Do you believe in the resurrection? Yes, I believe in it because Jesus believed in it. Do you believe in the virgin birth? Yes. Why do you believe in the virgin birth? Because Jesus believed in it. Do you believe in the atonement? 
right? The death of Jesus on the cross, that his death covers us of our sins and gives to us forgiveness, grace, mercy, and the gift of eternal life. Yes, why do you believe that? Because Jesus believed it. Do you believe in hell? Yes, because Jesus believed in it. Do you believe in heaven? Yes, because Jesus believed in it. Do you get what I'm saying? Do I believe in the second coming? Yes, because Jesus believed in it. My, my faith is built upon what I believe the central character of all history. And I, I, I have read, let me tell you, I have read thousands, I, I have read over 5,000 books. You go up in my, go in my study, my study here, my study at home. I was, a, my, my best friend from child, Mark Benevento is here with us today. Mark, Mark and I have been friends since we were five years old. Mark will tell you how eloquent my, uh, my, my, uh, my language was growing up, because I didn't pick up a book, but I did know a bunch of curse words, right? And when the Lord came into my life, I started reading every day. I started reading about 300 pages a day. And I've read, I, you know, I've read, and I, I, have, I have an admiration for the philosophers. I, I mean, there's, there's, there's some wonderful things that I, I've read, you know, that, that Buddha has said, or Confucius, some great words of wisdom. But they weren't God. By the way, they never claimed to be God. Zoroaster, you know, just, but he claimed to be God. And he met the standards. He met the criteria. And when I opened my heart to him, he came in and I accepted and I received that grace, that forgiveness, and that love, and that salvation that he gives. And I have, again, built my life upon this. It doesn't matter what people say. I don't care. I don't, I don't care what, what, the, what the religious people say. I don't care what denominations say. I don't care what the church people say. The only thing that matters is what Jesus said. And that's what I believe. So my, my, my faith, I can say like Paul, is the faith of the Son of God. The church that apostatizes rejects that. They reject that simply. They, re they reject that faith. And you know what's scary? There are churches, and you know, you see this, there are churches all around this country, all around this world, who don't believe in what Jesus said. They, they, they don't believe that the Bible is the word of God. They don't believe he was raised from the dead. They don't believe he's God. They don't believe he's coming back. They don't believe in a literal, you know, heaven or, or hell. And then, you know, they, they, they'll, they will say that they'll call themselves Christian churches. When, when I gave my life to the Lord, I was in my uh, office. This is in the fitness business. I'm in the office one night, and this man comes in with his son, and um, I'm, I'm reading my Bible, and he comes in, and um, he, he sits down with me, and he goes, oh, you're reading your Bible. He said it kind of like, like surprised. And I, I looked at him, and I said to him, you know, I just gave my life to Jesus. And I said, it's, I mean, it's been a radical transformation. I said, man, I was an atheist. I was an unbeliever. I went from being an atheist to a, to a Christian over the course of about a three-day period, giving my life to the Lord, accepting him. He came into my, my heart. I said, did you change me? I said, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm on fire. And I started talking. I look at the guy. You ever see a person shrink before you? This guy is sitting back, and I'm telling you, he, he must have been six feet tall. He looked like he was four feet tall. He's like looking at me like I'm a nut. 
And um, he ends up talking with me, and he told me he was an Episcopalian priest. And as I, as I got to know him, he basically, he did not believe in the Bible. He didn't believe it's, it's God's word. He did not believe that Jesus was God. He did not believe in the atonement of, of Jesus. He didn't believe in the resurrection. And one day I, I looked at him and I said to him, you believe pretty much what I believed when I was an atheist. But you're an, you're, you're an Episcopalian priest. That's apostasy. I think that if, if, if I'm up here and I say, I don't believe in the Bible, I don't believe in Jesus, don't, don't you think it's time to go do something else, Frank? Maybe it's time, it's time to go do something else. But that's, that's what you have in this, in this thing that happened over the course. It's been happening for about 150 years. Congregational church, Presbyterian church, Episcopalian church, Methodist church. And it's, it's, it's infiltrated churches like ours. The Episcopalian, um, I'm sorry, the, the uh, evangelical, the, the, the charismatic churches. It's, it's infiltrated. And so it's, you know, it's there. It's infiltrated into the Catholic Church. That's apostasy. A turning away from something that um, you claim to have have believed in and known. I'll just wrap wrap this up. I just want to encourage you. You know, you you, you hear me. I, I talked a lot about what God has done in my life. You need to take a close look at Jesus. You, you really, you know, if, you, if you're not in a place where Jesus is truly your Lord and Savior and you haven't put your faith in him, you, you, need, to take, you need to really take a close look at him. And, and if you have, and you're, you know, you're, maybe you're right there on the edge, you open your heart to him and ask him to come into your heart. He's God. He, he will do that in a way that no person no leader, no philosopher, no religious leader ever could. He will come in to your heart. You'll receive his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy. And you give the gift of eternal life. And that comes with an assurance that you know if God forbid you die, you go to be with him forever. And he's got a great place prepared for us. Better than anything this world could ever offer. All right? And I'll wrap it up there today. Okay, let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your word. I thank you, Lord God, for who you are and that you would, Lord, love a man like me, which still amazes me, and reveal yourself to me. Show me your son. And Lord God, come into my life and begin to Make me into the man who's still working on me, Lord. I need a lot of work. The man that you desire me to be. I pray, Lord God, for that experience for all here today. Ask him into your heart. You're ready? Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be the leader of my life, the forgiver of my sins. I believe in you. I believe in you. Amen.